the gospel that those who turn to Christ and repent from their sins can be fully assured of the complete forgiveness of all of their sins. This is the hope that keeps us here week after week. Going forward then in the comfort of the gospel, let's open God's word to hear God speak to us. We'll turn this morning to 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter 1, and we'll read the verses 1 through 15. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins." Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So far from God's word, as we reflect on what we've read, let's sing together from Psalm 90, stanzas 7 and 8. This morning we'll be focusing especially on the verses 3 through 11 of 2 Peter chapter 1. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, we stand at the beginning of another year that God has given us in our lives. The year that we just finished, 2016, is now part of history. Everything that we have said, everything that we have done can never be unsaid or undone or in any way changed. 
the time that we've spent, whether we've spent it well or, or not, is now spent. It's gone. It's time that we cannot ever get back. A year ago, as we were standing at the end of 20, 2015 and looking forward to 2016, the year was full of opportunities and possibilities for us to grow and change. There were things that we wanted to do, things that we wanted to get done. There were ways in which we knew that we needed to grow and we wanted to grow in our walk of faith. And 2016 offered us the opportunities to do that. Now, we have either used those opportunities or we have let them pass us by. But either way, we cannot ever get them back. That year is over. That time is now spent. Looking back then on the year 2016, how have you grown in the past year? How has God been working in you and changing you? Did you make resolutions at the beginning of 2016? And if you did, were you able to keep them? What have you made of the year that's behind you? How has God been calling you to grow and to change? Now, many of us, most of us probably already know the answer to that question. How is God calling me to change? We know at least a big part of that answer or the next step to that answer. We know things that we ought to be doing, habits in our lives that ought to be changing or ought to be developing or perhaps ought to have been developed already by now. In the year 2016, were we intentional about growing in those areas? Are we closer now to the Lord than we were a year ago? Have we grown closer to Him? Have we grown closer to one another, to the church community? Have we strengthened those bonds that hold us together as a family, as a church? And so as we stand on, on the edge of this new year, we're given this opportunity this morning to look back over the previous year and to take an inventory of what we have done, where we have grown, how we have developed, and of course, all that God has done for us, his blessings that he has shown to us in the past year. And I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, take the time to do that. Consider how you have grown. Consider how God has been working in you. Has he blessed you? Has he given you what you had spiritually, what you didn't have spiritually at the beginning of the year? Has he supplied in those areas? And since Sunday is the Lord's Day, one of the ways that we can honor that day is to do this, to stop and reflect on our lives, on our habits, on our characters, and consider how is God now calling us to grow and change in the year 2017? What have we done with the year that he has given us? And what are we going to do with the year that now stands ahead of us? And this can be a hard kind of reflection to do. But as we stand now at the beginning of the new year, we're also reminded that we're at the beginning of a new chapter in each of our lives. 2016 is over and done, but 2017, by God's grace, is still ahead of us. God has graciously given us another year 
in which we can do what He is calling us to do. It's an opportunity for each of us to start over if we have failed in our resolutions, in our efforts to grow and change. Many of us have not grown, if we're honest. We haven't grown as we wished we had, or perhaps we haven't even grown at all. We've disappointed ourselves in that respect. And we see now, as, as every New Year's, we see how quickly the time passes, as it inevitably will, and we're reminded again of how short our lives are, how brief the opportunities are that God has given us, how important it is also then to be the people that he is calling us to be already now, to make every effort now to do what he's calling us to do. It's so easy, we recognize, for our material comforts and our easy, lazy habits to kind of lull us into sleep and to keep us from growing and becoming, whom God, becoming who God is calling us to be. And so many of us, as we begin the new year, we would love for this to be the year when we really start growing, when we really start living as God calls us to live when we start doing the hard things that we know that God is calling us to do, but we find we haven't been able to do so far. We want to be the people that he calls us to be. Well, one of the central messages of Second Peter, the, the letter that, from, the, from which we just read, one of the central messages is that growth is not optional in the Christian life. We must grow, and we have to be deliberate and intentional about growing. You can see this in in verse 5, where Peter gives us this imperative. For this reason, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And then he elaborates on that virtue in the next few verses. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. The word make is is literally exert, and, and the word effort uh, can be can be translated also as as haste or zeal or pursuit or exertion or study. Together, this is about the strongest way that you can word this command. Do everything you can. Exert every effort. Give it everything that you've got. To do what? To supplement your faith, or literally to supply your faith with virtue. Now, I want to look with you for a moment at that word virtue. I know it's not the only word in the list that, that Peter gives us, but I do believe it's the main word. It's a summary word for all of the other things he mentions. Literally, in the Greek, that word, you might see it in your footnote, that word is excellence. It's the same word as you find in, in verse 3, where he says that God has called us to his own glory and excellence. And so we're called, just understand how he's thinking here, we're called in verse 5 to pursue excellence because, verse 3, God has called us to his own glory and excellence. Now those terms excellence and, and glory, they're, they're very closely related. Excellence is the quality that stands behind glory. It's what makes something Glorious. Give you an example. A truly great work of art 
is glorious. It has a certain glory about it because everything about it is so excellently done. Its use of colors, its portrayal of an expression, or its ability to evoke feeling are so excellently put together, and that's what makes it glorious. A hockey player might, might make a shot that is just the only word you can use for it is glorious because everything about it was so excellently executed. Everything was so excellently done. A person's wisdom can be glorious because their understanding of the world is so excellently accurate or their creativity to find solutions to problems is so excellent, so beyond ability to compare or even imagine. Excellence is the quality of, of, of being beyond comparison, beyond expectation. For all intents and purposes, excellence is the quality of being perfect. And excellence is what makes a thing glorious, meaning it's what makes a thing evoke praise in others, praise or respect or adoration. So understand this, Peter is speaking of God's glory and excellence that he's called us to. And when the Bible speaks of God's excellence, it's not just one of his many attributes, his love, his power, etc. Excellence is what marks every one of those qualities. God's perfect excellence is what sets him apart from all other creatures, what makes him so perfectly glorious. So understand then what what Peter is saying. Through the gospel, God has brought you to the knowledge of God's glory and excellence. He's made us his children. And so, because you know and serve such an excellent God, go now and make every effort on your part to adorn your faith with excellence in life, in everything that you do and everything even that you are. And so Peter, if he was here, he would say, yes, brothers and sisters, do make resolutions this year in 2017. Take this moment at the end of of 2016 to see who you've become and what you've made of the time that God has given you. And then since we've been given the privilege of knowing and serving such an excellent and glorious God, Peter urges us, make every effort to pursue that same excellence in every area of your own life. You'll notice the word excellence or, or virtue is also a very general word. It's, it's not specific to any area of life. And I believe Peter is speaking generally here for a good reason. Just as God is is excellent in every aspect of who he is, so you and I should also strive for excellence in every aspect of our lives and every aspect of our characters, of who we are. Whether that's our our use of our time or our exercise habits or our, our management of our money or our devotional lives or our understanding of God's word and the application of his word to our daily life or our relationships in the church or our service to the brothers and sisters that God has placed around us. If God has called us to his glory and excellence, then let us also pursue that excellence in every area 
of our lives. Now you'll notice the the excellence or virtue that Peter is speaking about here is something that that needs to be striven for, striven for. It takes work to achieve that excellence. Character and, and virtue are not something that you accomplish or achieve overnight. Character, whether it's good or bad, is something that's determined by our regular daily habits, which become part of who we are by repetition and practice over years. And so as Christians, we should be the most passionate about making serious, godly resolutions. Not trivial ones, but serious, self-examining, life-changing, and character-developing sorts of resolutions. That's what Peter here is urging the church to do. And so that's going to be our, our first point from the text. Peter exhorts his readers to make every effort to honor their faith with excellence in life and character. And the reason, the basis for that, that command, that imperative, is the knowledge of God who through the gospel has called us to his own glory and excellence. A second thing to notice here is, is that the empowering strength for those resolutions, comes from the promises of God. You can see that also in in verses 3 and 4. Verse verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And so it's, it's through the promises of the gospel that we will be able to be partakers of the divine nature, which is Peter's way of saying being remade in the image of God. He's not, of course, saying that we're going to become you know, little gods in and of ourselves, but that we will be restored to the image of God in which we were created. Now, the promise of the gospel, then, is not only that our sins are forgiven. We're reminded of that, of course, every week, over and over again. But the promise of the gospel is also that Christ is at work in you to renew you, to change you, to shape you after his image. Well, people make resolutions all of the time, and in four out of five cases, these statisticians say, they fail to keep them already by the end of January. Well, the promise for God is this. Not that if we make a resolution, God is going to go and fulfill it for us, but that if we do make every effort to add that that excellence or virtue to our faith, that the Holy Spirit will give us everything that we need to be able to fulfill those godly resolutions, to genuinely, substantially grow towards that excellence that God is calling us. We shouldn't despair if we find ourselves making mistakes or or failing. God's Spirit is at work within us to change us, to make us into new people. Verse 3 says, God's power has given us all that we need for life and godliness. 
And so then the, the excellence in life and character that we strive for is grounded in God's excellence. That was our first point. And that effort is empowered by God's divine power and supported by his gospel promises. Thirdly, notice that, that Peter sees growth in faith and in character as absolutely necessary in the Christian's life. It's not optional to grow. Verse 8, he says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, he says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is, as if it were, blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Growth is not optional in the Christian life. We should be able to look back on the year behind us and be able to see how we've grown in virtue, in knowledge, in self-control, in godliness, in steadfastness, in friendship, and in love in the church. Those are the seven qualities that, that Peter lists for us. Well, these qualities, he says, makes our faith effective and fruitful. Christ, in other words, Christ didn't save us for us to go on being the same people that we were before. He saved us in order to change us. We were made to image him and be like him and were saved for the same purpose. And that's why Peter says, whoever lacks these qualities that he lists, whoever lacks them is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If a Christian doesn't desire to grow and become the person that God is calling him or her to be, then he doesn't even understand his own salvation. He doesn't know what it was that he was saved from. If... Peter says he is saved at all, then he is suffering from serious short-term memory loss. It's the decadence, the ignorance, the lack of self-control, the lack of godliness, the lack of love. Those are the very things that Christ came to save us from. And those are the very things that he came to die for as Peter reminds us. And so if someone doesn't care about those things, if someone doesn't desire to grow in those areas, then Peter says they've forgotten who they are as a saved people. And so he urges the church, make every effort, exert every exertion, literally, to pursue those qualities because they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Don't waste your life. If you've let 2016 sort of pass you by, well, don't despair, but do follow God's calling for 2017. Make this year the year in which you pursue the excellence that God is calling you to. Make this year the year where you begin to be the person that God is calling you to be and to grow into. We have 80, maybe 90 years on this earth and that's best case scenario for most of us and if god that's if god doesn't call us away much sooner 2017 might be the last year of your life and so if god has given you this 
time to experience the joy of seeing and delighting in his excellence and then also joyfully striving after that excellence in every area of your life, becoming the person that God has saved you to be. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. Don't let the time and opportunities for growth, for real Christian life, pass you by. There's no greater pleasure than pursuing God's calling and seeing God working within us. Well, that, that, that process of change, it happens through the slow, steadfast, hard, careful work of resolve and, and planning and then also steadfastly working at those plans. And so, brothers and sisters, if this text means anything to you, would you take the time, since this is the Lord's Day, would you take 15 or 20 minutes today or even an hour if necessary to consider where God is calling you to grow and to change? Would you then also resolve and plan how you will put these things into practice? Peter's words are for the young and the old alike. Young people, now is the time to develop those habits and practices that will determine who you are as a Christian adult. Young families, if there are changes that you you know need to take place in your daily routines, it's not too late to put them into practice. That's why God has given you the year 2017. For the middle-aged and elderly also, God has still called you and is still calling you to his glory and his excellence. And you haven't made it there just yet. To allow your, your spiritual life to sort of plateau is to believe that God's perfection and excellence are limited and, and mediocre, but they're not. Look to him again. See his glory and his excellence. And then resolve to strive again after that excellence in your own life. Strive for a life that is modeled after his perfection. That is also the greatest and the most fulfilled life that one can possibly have. It's the very thing for which we were all created. And so, brothers and sisters, do make New Year's resolutions. Do take the time to see where God is calling you to grow. And then make plans, make specific plans for your life. Peter, Peter tells us, supply your faith with knowledge, for example. This past year, have you been deliberate and intentional about growing in your knowledge of God's word, your depth of understanding, and also practical wisdom, how you apply the knowledge that you have to your daily life? Have you made the time for personal Bible reading or for reading Christian books by those who are older and wiser than you? Unless we are intentional about it, we really will not make much growth at all. Wisdom doesn't come automatically with age. So since God has called you to his excellence, also in the area of knowledge, find a good Bible reading plan. I mentioned a few actually in in the bulletin that you might consider. And then choose also some, some Christian books that you will read. Maybe there are some you've already been wanting to read but never found the time to read. 
Find a time in your schedule. Maybe it's 15 minutes a day to read, to learn, to grow. Even if we only read for 15 minutes a day, you still read 15 to 20 books over the course of a year. Peter also tells us, supply your faith with self-control. How many of our failures to keep our New Year's resolutions and to be the people that God has called us to be come down to a lack of self-control, either because we overindulge in what is not good for us or we don't feel like doing the things that are, that God is calling us to do, that would cause us to be the people that we ourselves desire to be. And this applies even to very mundane things like our exercise routine or our budgeting, the self-control that we need in our, in our finances that would give us the freedom to escape slavery to debt. These may be mundane things, but they do matter. And the development of our self-control matters very greatly. We're made in God's image. We're not meant to be simply driven by our impulses and desires. We're to rule over our bodies. Peter also calls us grow in godliness. To build on that last point, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. There's no greater joy than being remade into God's image, seeing and developing in our own lives the excellence that he's calling us to. Peter also calls us to grow in brotherly affection and love. These are, in fact, two different words for love in the Greek, phileo and agape. And phileo is that, that brotherly affection and friendship that family has for one another. Whereas agape is that, that self-denying, sacrificial kind of love. And Peter calls us to grow in both of, of those two kinds of love. And so, brothers and sisters, as you look forward to 2017, will you plan to grow in your friendships and love within this congregation? Plan to make friendships with those in the church that you don't know so well. Or just as a suggestion, make a plan to have someone in your home, someone new, every month. Or set, a time, set, set, set aside some time each Sunday to plan who you will visit or who you will invite to visit your home. Consider also, how, how can we extend that sacrificial love to those who are outside of the church? Whether that's to our neighbors or co-workers or the strangers that God, in his, in his own mysterious way, brings into our lives. It's important that we make plans for these things, because otherwise they don't happen. Well, all of these resolutions are founded on God's grace towards us through Jesus Christ. We saw that already in verses 3 and 4. It's because we were saved from our old way of life that we have the courage now to make resolutions for this year. We know that we will sin. In some respects, we are going to fail on our resolutions. We will fail in, in many different ways. But it's important to understand the gospel rightly, especially in those moments. God the Father receives us because Christ died for us, not on the basis of our performance before Him. 
Our desire to grow and become the people that he's calling us to be is not because we believe that this is our salvation. This is what we must do to be saved. But this is what we were saved in order to do. God has called us to himself. And so it should be our heart's desire to also make our life worthy of such a calling. This is also what we're going to see in a moment in the profession of faith and baptism of the Sod family. We commit ourselves to God because God has first committed himself to us and shown his love for us in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Because God first went and made us his people, we commit ourselves to becoming his people in life and in practice. We commit, we resolve to follow him wherever he calls us. And so then in in summary, brothers and sisters, as we look back on the year behind us and as we stand here on the edge of another year that God in his grace has given us, consider how you might more fully fix your eyes on Jesus Christ and see his glory and excellence in the thousands of ways that he shows it to us. And then in simple, practical ways, let us seek to develop that excellency in every area of our own lives and our own persons. That's whom God, that's who God is calling you and me to be. And there's no better or more joyful life than that. Amen. Let's respond by singing together from Psalm 139, stanzas 1, 2, 9, 10, and 13.